time for us to begin our midday program. It's a Friday edition of Midday. Scott Foster in here with you, along with Jason Jorgensen and Bob Brogan and Susan Littlefield as we get you ready to go for the weekend and the next couple hours, talking about some of the things that we are looking at. And we will begin our conversation with Susan Littlefield. Good morning, Susan. Well, thanks, Scott, and happy Friday to you as well. Here is what's happening on the midday from the farm team. Of course, it is Friday, so we will catch it with Al Dutcher as we talk weather headed into the weekend. And then Shabella steps in at 1245 as she talks about wheat field days that are taking place in Sydney and Grant. And the FNBO Fridays in the Field continues as we will head to the northeast part of the state and Chad Moyer. That's a midday from the farm team. Have a great weekend, everybody. All right. Thank you so much, Susan. I appreciate it. It'd be interesting to hear what Al Dutcher has to say. It might be a real short one because there's not a lot to talk about dry and hot right now in the weather. Let's turn it over to Jason Jorgensen, who has something to talk about. NSAA putting out some uh, guidelines for its schools. Yeah, some camps and clinics will happen in certain sports. Also, some open gyms will be opening up just for personal instruction. No games yet. What I'm excited about is when they can have open gyms, when the 40 40- five-year-old guy from Elm Creek and show back up at the school and take on the kids. When, is fat, when does Fat Man's League start? That's what exactly. we really want to know. You ever notice, and if anyone's listening can relate, you ever notice uh, when you're a grizzled veteran, the older you get when you're playing with the kids, the less you get the ball. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you're yeah. not the man anymore. No, yeah, I mean, no, even, no. even if you don't want to be the man, you, you just kind of just hang out. Yeah, you, just, you better get a rebound, otherwise you're just not going to Be a pick-and-pop guy. That's Maybe right. they'll feel sorry for you and slip one off to you on the wing. You can you know launch a 19-footer. <laughs> well, you know, and there's there's a couple reasons for that. One, you are older, and in my case, too, I don't really shoot that well anyway, so they just kind of keep it away from me. You know, once in a while, you get a kid that thinks they're going to block your shot, and you can fool them with a, you know, little old Kevin McHale drop step move to the hoop and feel good about yourself, but yeah, so yeah. That, that's, those are the days yeah. Yeah, when you can have Fat Man's basketball again. Well, that's, we, we'll all be waiting for that. I'm not sure who that's going to come down from. <laughs> Maybe we can get something from Two Rivers to help us with that. So we can help. Also, we'll talk about the Royals and their draft. Uh, it looks like they uh, were able to hang in there and do pretty well. And and not joking around, it, it has been an awful week for Iowa football. Mm-hmm. And there's a push led by online stuff to get rid of Kirk Ferentz after 21 years as coach. Uh, he has a press conference this afternoon with two or three players. Now, there's been some scuttlebutt. They think he's gone, but I can't see where they'd have a press conference and have him up there with a couple of kids. Yeah, so I'd have to think for now, maybe he's safe. But that's that's turned into a toxic situation there in Iowa City. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. Speaking of toxic moments, my goodness, the stock market yesterday was bad, but it's coming back today. It's up a little bit. Um Gaining back some uh, some that it lost. Uh, stocks opening higher on Wall Street a day after the uh, major indexes fell more than 5%. So folks are uh, apparently feeling a little bit better today. Um, Twitter has removed a vast network of accounts, it says, uh, are linked to the Chinese government. And the British economy has seen nearly two decades worth of growth wiped out as a result of the lockdown measures put in place during the uh, pandemic, so we'll be reviewing a couple of those things. 
All right, very good. That's all coming up on Mid... When bad weather happens, you can rely on KRVM. We are your home for up-to-the-minute coverage of flooding. And a flooded south part of Kearney. Doesn't look like any of these roads are going to open anytime soon. Tornadoes. Three tornado warnings that are in effect right now, and two of them until 745. This storm that has spawned these tornadoes has now grown. And severe weather impacting our listening area. The southern part of this tornadic thunderstorm could be moving back through the Farnham area in the next few minutes as well. We will be there to alert you to any significant weather events and we can take you to the scene with our reporters for in-moment experiences. Where we have the drone right now, we're facing to the south looking at Interstate 80 and literally right off as you head north into Kearney. This is why they have the interstate shut down. Water's over the road, so they don't want folks driving through that obviously. With our social media pages, you can find photos, videos, and interviews in real time. Check out krvn.com for podcasts, interviews, and news stories. 880 KRVN. We are who you rely on when bad weather happens. Time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins in here. And, you know, oftentimes we marvel at the different weather conditions from one end of the state to the other. And it wasn't that long ago. In fact, I think earlier this week there was a 40 degree different from one side. Not the case today. No, pretty much everybody in the 80s right now. Just a few wow. locations in the upper 70s. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's very consistent across the state, and of course, lots of sunshine to go with it. We're into a system here that's going to kind of keep things the same. High pressure dominant. Exactly. Keep that rain up and away from us for the time being and giving us pretty much wall-to-wall sunshine, border-to-border in both Nebraska and Kansas. Maybe a few clouds towards St. Joseph and north of Kansas City along the uh, Kansas-Missouri border there. Otherwise, uh, very quiet weather. Maybe some thunderstorms later today in southern Kansas and southern Missouri, but it's pretty quiet nationwide, not even expecting any severe weather pretty much anywhere in the nation right now. Yeah, after after a hurricane and tropical depression, everything is just sort of uh, gotten silent. Exactly. I guess we're winding down for the weekend. There you go. <laughs> that works for me. Right now we do have temperatures pretty much low 80s across the area. We are as warm as 85 right now in the Holdridge area and also 85 in Wahoo, but down to 78 still on the latest temperature we have from Broken Bow and Ord. Also some upper 70s scattered about the southern half of the Nebraska Panhandle, but once again, most of us in the low 80s, and wind's not too uh, strong right now. Widespread sunshine and above normal temperatures will remain likely all the way through Wednesday as a ridge of high pressure builds over the plains today and tomorrow. Our temperatures are expected to be about 10 degrees warmer than average. Hot temperatures of 15 degrees above average, likely for Sunday through Tuesday. And also the southerly winds will start to increase and become breezy for tomorrow and Sunday as the trough of low pressure strengthens to the west across the high plains. With that southerly flow, increased humidity is likely, but not expecting it to be overly oppressive. The lack of rain likely to increase concerns for drought, though, with extreme southern Nebraska into northern Kansas already in abnormally dry conditions. Now, with the approach of a cold front, Wednesday temperatures look to be a little bit lower, so not hot conditions expected on Wednesday, just unusually warm. The high-pressure ridge does flatten and allows the cold front to track south by Wednesday night. Thursday... Our temperatures look to be seasonal. Then Thursday night into Friday, there's starting to be some confidence increasing for some at least low-end thunderstorm chances. Some relief from next week's heat may be on the way in the long-term forecast. Midweek temperatures still likely to be warmer than normal for Nebraska and Kansas. For the tail end of next week through June 25th, Nebraska and Kansas temperatures forecast now to be seasonal to even slightly cooler than normal in northwest Nebraska. Central Nebraska average 
Central Nebraska average highs during that time start to begin um, to warm into the mid-80s by that time with average overnight lows in the upper 50s. Rainfall in the middle of next week for Nebraska and Kansas remaining below normal, but late next week through June 25th, Nebraska and Kansas rainfall expected to trend near normal to slightly above normal. Weather factors driving the markets include warm conditions with periodic rain in the Midwest and hot and dry weather for wheat harvest in the southern plains. Much of the U.S. will remain dry the next few days with the exceptional some occasional showers in the northern plains during the weekend and early next week. A ribbon of heat across the nation's midsection will be sandwiched between generally cool weather in the eastern and western U.S. So a classic example there of being stuck in the middle with some heat there. High temperatures in parts of the plains expected to approach or reach 100, although some cooler air will begin to overspread Montana and the Dakotas by early next week. In the Midwest, some moderate to heavy rain the last couple of days. A benefit to the upcoming warmer and drier period. Scattered rain 7 to 10 days from now in the Midwest will keep temperatures from becoming stressfully hot. The northern plains will be very warm through the weekend. Early next week, moderate rain will favor crop moisture with additional showers the balance of the next week in the northern plains. The southern plains hot and dry weather through the next week favors wheat ripening and harvest. In the meantime, the dry and hot weather in the southern plains may stress row crops, adding to the high demand of irrigation demand. Wildlife danger or wildfire rather danger will be high in the southern plains this weekend due to some strong winds, also the heat and dryness. Okay. All right. Boy, it's dry in, uh, what was I looking at, uh, south, southern Colorado, some of those areas. Yes. It's really, Phoenix is burning, California's got fires, but uh, I, it looked like southeast Colorado, uh, they had some issues there, too. Exactly. So. And, of course, they're right next to southwest Kansas, where they are in extreme drought at this point. Yeah. So. Mm, not good. Well, that cooler day on Wednesday, I hope it comes about because I think we'll need it. <laughs> exactly, yeah. The next several days, well above normal, especially Sunday through Tuesday right now. It looks like the worst of the heat will be in our area with many of us in the mid to upper 90s. Oh, my. Okay. All right. Very good. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? WeatherTap, krvn.com. It's time again this week that we get to visit with our Nebraska Extension agricultural climatologist, Al Dutcher. I'm Shaley Peters joining you on the Rural Radio Network. And, Al, as we looked back on this week, we did get quite the mix of weather coming in earlier in the week. Saw uh, some rains for part of the state. That temperature definitely dipped down. Sunshine, though, leading into uh, the weekend. What will we see for a forecast this weekend and headed into next week? Well, Shelley, I think that the overall riding theme is going to be a return to the heat, and it's just a matter of how much winter we're going to have to deal with and how soon do we start to get the humidity levels back up to where we start to get into the uncomfortable range. And all of it's going to be the result of a trough out in the western United States that's trying to work against this big upper air ridge in the southeastern United States. So between these two pressure systems, of course, you're going to deal with a little bit more wind. More importantly, you have basically a southwest and northeast flow coming off of this trough. And so most of the storm activity that does develop and expected to develop within this trough and mechanism, at least going through this weekend, is likely to form right on the lee of the Rocky Mountains and portions of north central Colorado and, and uh, Wyoming, and then move that up toward the northeast. So really the only impacts that I see primarily this weekend is likely to occur across the panhandle where we'll have those chances for thunderstorm activity. 
some of that may eventually make it way out into the western third of the state if we can really get the heat up in the upper 90s into the low 100s we may be able to break the cap but then you're dealing with big severe outbreaks but overall as the week progresses that upper air trough and pattern is expected to take that low pressure system across the northern plain and kind of pull that trough apart somewhat so you will still see energy moving out of that trough but most of it will be directed toward the dakotas well, as we get into Wednesday and Thursday, at least from the GFS model standpoint, things have changed a little bit. It's starting to look like they want to keep a piece of that trough back over the central rock and start to induce a little bit of weak southerly flow, allowing some uh, low pressure to develop on the east side of the mountains in the southern Rockies. That might be able to juice up enough moisture coming northward from the Gulf to actually intersect the low pressure system that remains going over to the Great Lakes. So you have cool air coming in from the northeast, intersecting warm moist air trying to bring turn back to the north. And as we get into Thursday night and Friday morning right now, the latest GFS indicates the possibility of severe thunderstorm development in northern Kansas, maybe moving up into the southern I-80 corridor and also into the Panhandle region. After that, it becomes a little bit more uncertain, and that would break our temperatures we're going to be in the mid to upper 90s across a good portion of the western part of the state for sure. It's going to be very miserable. And as we get into the midweek period, of course, lifting that moisture up, we're going to start to see dew points back up into the 70s, dealing with severe weather. And if you look at what we've seen for severe weather during the first 10 days of the month, we finally doubled our total tornado count from four, and we received five so far this month. 64 hail counts and 127 wind accounts. So that gives you an idea. We've seen the active weather. We're just not getting as much moisture to the surface. So there is the opportunity, at least in the models, for us to finally maybe see some light at the end of the tunnel across portions of the state that really have missed out on many of these precipitation events. But we're going to have to get to the end of next week first. All right. Thanks so much, Al. It's Nebraska Extension Agricultural Climatologist Al Dutcher. Just a reminder, you can find Al's full update every week by visiting RuralRadio.com. There we've got video with uh, graphics as well showing the forecast. Again, RuralRadio.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It's time to take a look at sports with our very own Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks. Well, the NSAA released another COVID update yesterday, and it's good news. NSAA member schools will now be permitted to participate in camps, clinics, and summer leagues in all NSAA-sanctioned activities, except for basketball, football, soccer, and wrestling. Effective immediately, NSAA member schools may also hold open gyms for basketball, football, soccer, and wrestling with restrictions of individual skills and workouts only. Also, no physical contact will be allowed with others, along with no sharing of equipment and no grouping of students. The NCAA Football Oversight Committee has finalized a plan for an extended preseason that would include an additional two weeks for teams to hold walkthroughs. That proposal now goes to the Division One Council, which meets on Tuesday and is expected to approve it. Now, the proposed schedule permits teams to conduct the maximum six hours of unpadded walkthroughs per week, while also requiring two days off for the players. The extra two weeks of walkthroughs, weight training, conditioning, and film study will be limited to 20 hours per week total and can begin 14 days prior to the start of a normal 29-day preseason practice schedule. Now, most major college football teams are set to kick off their seasons around Labor Day weekend. 
Been a tough week for Iowa football. The program has announced that head coach Kirk Ferentz, who's been under siege this week, will hold the press conference this afternoon with three players. It's unclear what the news conference entails, though the program has been hit hard by allegations of racially charged conduct. Several players came out against strength coach Chris Doyle in the last week, accusing him of racist remarks. There's also been a push on social media to remove Ferentz's coach after 21 years at the school. Major League Baseball is still building a field a few hundred yards down a corn line path from the famous movie site for Field of Dreams in eastern Iowa. Unlike the original, it's unclear whether teams will show up for a game this season because the league continues to struggle to get its year going. Those who live near the Field of Dreams say the country could use a boost, like seeing the scheduled August 13th game between the Yankees and the White Sox. That's a look at sports. For more, check it out anytime at krvn.com. University of Nebraska President Ted Carter spoke during Governor Pete Ricketts' press briefing on Thursday on the hand sanitizer being created across the NU system to help the state during the COVID-19 pandemic. Now Carter discusses where the hand sanitizer has aided Nebraskans and where it will continue to be throughout the state in the coming weeks. Just last week, a shipment of the hand sanitizer went to the Greater Omaha Chamber of Commerce for distribution in nonprofits. Uh, this week's shipments are going to meatpacking communities to include Fremont and Columbus, and they're going to be used by local businesses and community members. And over the next six weeks to two months, the project will deliver 60,000 gallons of hand sanitizer to Nebraska's ESUs for use by K-12 schools in the upcoming academic year. Additionally, 25,000 gallons of hand sanitizer will be used at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Nebraska saw another decrease in new unemployment claims last week due to the coronavirus, but the number is still well above pre-pandemic levels. The U.S. Department of Labor reported 4,697 new claims in Nebraska during the week that ended June 6th. It is down from 5,082 that were received the previous week. Now, the highest number of weekly claims filed during coronavirus pandemic was just over 26,000 during the week that ended April 4th. Nebraska's unemployment soared during the pandemic along with the rest of the country due to the government due to the government mandated social distancing restrictions that forced the closure of many businesses. With notices of valuation change have been sent out at the beginning of the month, some owners may disagree with the assessed value of their property. State Property Tax Administrator Ruth Sorensen explains how to file a protest. There's a protest form that is, again, on our, our website um, at the Department of Revenue, PAD website. And then if they can't access that, what I would do is contact the assessor, or I'm sorry, contact the county clerk, because these are filed with the county clerk. So I would contact the county clerk to get a form and fill it out and get it sent in. The valuation protest must be filed by June 30th via email or in person with the county clerk of the county where the property is located. Authorities in northeastern Kansas have closed a trail around a creek as they try to catch an alligator spotted there. The Manhattan Mercury reports that the alligator is believed to be one of two stolen from a pet store last weekend. On Wednesday, a man called 911 to report seeing an alligator while he was walking along Linear Park Trail. Animal control officers who responded saw the animal lounging on a log in Wildcat Creek. The trail in Kansas was closed and officials have set traps. Authorities say they don't know the whereabouts of the other alligator stolen on June 5th from Manhattan Reptile World. That's your latest news update. I'm Tyler Cavalli, and for more, visit our website at krvn.com.
County FSA offices are continuing to accept applications for WIP+. Good afternoon, I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. I spoke with Bobby Chris Wickham. Bobby is with the Farm Service Agency based in Lincoln. She's their public affairs and outreach coordinator. We talked about WIP Plus and what is involved for our producers. WIP Plus is an ad hoc disaster program. It was implemented last year in response to the, the difficult and challenging weather we had. Um, you know, and particularly with the flooding in the spring and even the flooding we had during the summer, um, this program could be applicable to, to producers. You know, if, if you had losses of crops, trees, bushes, or vines, and you're in a county that had a presidential disaster declaration or a USDA secretarial designation, um, in, in, in 2019, we had like 84 counties that maybe would fit under those categories, uh, you could potentially um, be eligible for this program. Um, the disaster events that are covered are floods, tornadoes, snowstorms, and wildfires. And as I said, they added excessive moisture as a qualifying disaster event late in the year um, in 2019. And so as that category opened up, we did have and do have more folks calling into our offices to inquire about um this program related to their 2019 crop losses. So again, what what crops are eligible for WIT Plus? Yeah, um, you know, generally speaking, eligible crops are those that um, for which federal crop insurance is available um, and or which are also able to be covered under our non-insured crop disaster assistance program. So between those two categories, it can be a large majority of, of our Nebraska crops. Um, the only thing I would note is that crops intended for grazing are excluded from the program. So, um, and then there's also a possibility of assistance, WIP plus assistance for prevented plant acres of 2019 crops, as long as those prevent plant acres um, had a final plant date prior to January 1, 2019. So, a reference here would be maybe winter wheat that was prevent plant in the winter of 2018 for 2019 production. So again, broad, pretty broad eligibility on the crop side. There's so much information that's out there about WIP Plus and, and to be able to, to get the paperwork done, going online, getting yourself qualified, talking to your county office. What is some advice that you might have for producers as they wonder, do I qualify? How do I go about getting this all done? Right. Yeah, if you had crop losses to do extreme severe weather in 2019 and again looking at flooding and even the excess moisture associated with all the rain we had you know and you're interested in learning more you really just do need to inquire at your county office it is somewhat of a complex program and there's there's quite a bit to the payment formula associated with this program so offices can can walk you through that application process a little bit and and sit down and you almost need to you know, plug that information into an application to really understand how payments might come out because um, it looks at insurance coverage levels and, you know, how your units of um, your field units or your parcels of land are divided up. So there's a lot to it. Um, and then the other point in all this for folks to consider is that all producers who receive payments for crop losses or preventive planning through the WIP Plus program they're required to purchase um, two years of crop insurance or NAP coverage for the following two years after a payment. 
um, at a 60% or greater coverage level. And so that's an important qualifier for folks to be aware of and think about as they inquire about this program. Is there a deadline? Right now, an application deadline has not been set. Um, you know, I think partially because that excessive moisture was added in as a category for disaster losses under this program, you know, late in the year and beginning of this year for those 2019 losses. So my point is, there is no application deadline yet, and so folks have some time to get in and, and inquire at their county office. Um, the only other qualifier I'd add to that is, remember, there's a lot going on at our offices yeah. right now. So so please try to be patient with, with our offices as they work through all these things. Definitely one of the ongoing things is spring acreage reporting, and that mm -hmm. has been happening amongst everything else that your staff has been doing. Right. Uh, you know, spring crop acreage certification happens every year. It's, it's a requirement to maintain eligibility for farm program assistance. So it's, it's important for producers to complete it. And, um, you know, we're in the middle of that as well. And so, um, the deadline isn't until July 15th to get your spring acreage certification done. But, you know, as we talked about, there's a lot going on. And so we want to keep producers moving ahead with this process and just ask that. As you get done with your planning, and I think, you know, most folks are at that point or near that point, that you would, you know, work with your FSA office using the process they've outlined for for spring acreage reporting and, and get that done as soon as you can after you're done planting. Bobby also wanted to remind producers that when you call the office to inquire about WIP Plus, it would be helpful if you can prepare to identify the disaster event that caused the losses and the of the event what crops on the farm were impacted and field locations. Conversation with Bobby Kreerswicka. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. When bad weather happens, you can rely on KRVN. We are your home for up-to-the-minute coverage of flooding. And a flooded south part of Kearney. Doesn't look like any of these roads are going to open anytime soon. Tornadoes. Three tornado warnings that are in effect right now, and two of them until 745. This storm that has spawned these tornadoes has now grown. And severe weather impacting our listening area. The southern part of this tornadic thunderstorm could be moving back through the Farnham area in the next few minutes as well. We will be there to alert you to any significant weather events and we can take you to the scene with our reporters for in-moment experiences. Where we have the drone right now, we're facing to the south looking at Interstate 80 and literally right off as you head north into Kearney, this is why they have the interstate shut down, waters over the road, so they don't want folks driving through that obviously. With our social media pages, you can find photos, videos, and interviews in real time. Check out krvn.com for podcasts, interviews, and news stories. 880 KRVN. We are who you rely on when bad weather happens. Our very own Bob Brogan here to give us our business report. Cloud stocks opened higher on Wall Street a day after major indexes fell more than 5% for their biggest drop since mid-March. And at 10.36 a.m. Eastern Time, the S&P 500 was up 54 points at 3,056. And uh, the Dow was up 525 points to 25,653. At last check... The uh, Dow up about, about about 500 points. Twitter has removed a vast network of accounts. It says uh, is linked to the Chinese government and was pushing false information favorable to the country's communist rulers. Beijing today denied involvement and says the company should instead take down accounts smearing China. 
The U.S. social media company suspended 23,750 accounts that were posting pro-Beijing narratives and another 150,000 accounts dedicated to retweeting and amplifying those messages. The British company, uh, the British economy rather, has seen nearly two decades worth of growth wiped out as a result of the lockdown measures put into place during the coronavirus pandemic. The Office for National Statistics says the economy shrank by a colossal 20.4% in April, the first month that the country was under lockdown to contain the spread of the virus. All areas of the economy were hit during the month, in particular pubs, education, health, and uh, also car sales. And in the uh, meantime, uh, Nevada health officials are closely monitoring a recent uptick in confirmed COVID-19 cases statewide, including the biggest one-day increase to date in the Reno area reported Thursday, but the state's response director isn't convinced a second wave of the coronavirus outbreak has arrived. That's a check of the business news. I'm Bob Brogan. Thanks, Bob. This is House Call for Health. This could have been very bad, but somehow it wasn't. The Great Clips Hair Salon in Springfield, Missouri reopened in early May. Hundreds of customers came in. Precautions were taken, but unbeknownst to the customers and the salon's managers, two stylists had symptoms of COVID-19, and sure enough, they tested positive. It's believed the two stylists saw 140 people. Missouri health officials immediately began contacting and testing customers and co-workers. But now, a month later, they've found no additional infections from that Great Cuts salon. The county health director attributes that to everyone wearing masks, social distancing, and staggered appointments. Local health officials say they're encouraged by this news and plan to study the steps taken by the salon to minimize risk. As for the two stylists, they've recovered and are out of isolation. For more on the coronavirus, go to foxnewshealth.com. House Call for Health, I'm Lisa Brady, Fox News. 880 KRVN, Lexington, Nebraska. Chad Moyer with you here on the Rural Radio Network. It is time for another Fridays in the Field, brought to you by FNBO, the great big small bank. And we're in North Bend, Nebraska this week. We're visiting with Chuck and Nick Emanuel. First of all, Chuck and Nick, thank you so much for taking the time and visiting with us uh, here and being our, our farmers for this season in, in this area. Chuck, we'll start with you. Just give us a little bit of background about uh, you and your family and, and the farming operation. Okay, back in uh, 1974, we started a corporation, Charles Emanuel and Sons, and at that time, my brother Paul and I were together. And then since then, he's pretty much kind of retired. And Nick has came back from the university and worked with us and now is part of that farming operation. Since we're so close to the Platte River here, I, I wanted to ask if there was any leftover or residual issues from the flood last year. Yeah, fortunately, our farm was not directly impacted or affected by the flood. Uh, the water stopped about a mile south of the farm we're at here right now. There was a lot of ground along the, the river in those two-mile stretch. It did have a lot of preventive planting acres last year and took up all the way until planting this year to get uh, fully cleaned up and recovered to get more uh, crops back in the ground. 
around this season. Well, Nick, let's focus on this year. Uh, how has the start of the 2020 uh, crop season affected you guys here so far? Well, so far, it's really been an up and down season. It started off fairly quickly. We were able to get into the field uh, about that mid-April. Uh, I think we started planting around April 20th here ourselves. We had an exceptional planting conditions. Soil conditions were very mellow and very good moisture at the time of planting. But then things tapered off and we got really hot and dry very quickly. Seed beds dried out fairly quickly and we started experiencing some emergence problems that then shortly after that dry period, then it got cold and uh, a little damp again. And so there was some up and down emergence from field to field. But more importantly, probably that dry weather caused some challenges with herbicide activation and fertilizer efficiency. And so right here in this kind of North Bend area, there were uh, several pivots uh, getting started to try to activate those herbicides and increase that fertilizer efficiency. But since then, um, we've got some moisture here in the last couple of weeks, and obviously the heat has been a, a big impact and really got those crops started and off going uh, to a better than what they initially did. One thing we want to spend a little time on, it, because it did happen this week, there were some fairly severe storms that rolled through Dodge County and parts of eastern Nebraska. And uh, just driving here, I saw a couple of pivots turned over. So uh, even already this season, we've had some tough weather, huh? Yeah, kind of going back to that roller coaster type of year. Um, it was going back to Memorial Day. Uh, we got hit with a storm on that Saturday evening that uh, blew over about a dozen pivots in this area probably in about a 15-mile radius. Uh, but last night was more kind of directly impacted. We had a storm come out of the south around 5 o'clock last night and blew over, I think I've heard about six, a half a dozen pivots, uh, just in probably a mile stretch uh, to the west of here. Okay, and I noticed some corn is kind of leaning over. Do you think that'll come out of it, or is it going to be goosenecked here? It's, again, kind of early to tell right now. The worst time to always look at that corn is the day after. I remember my grandpa always saying, wait, to, wait two days before you even go look at the corn after a storm. But we're fortunate enough, it's at the growth stage, at V5 to V7, V6 stage, that most of it should come out of it fine. What's on the docket immediately in front of you? We're going to be finishing up post-application on herbicide corn, have just a few acres left on that, uh, then getting started on the beans here next week. And then our big thing is we put the majority of our fertilizer and nitrogen on in season. We will begin fertigating and, and in season nitrogen applications here in the next 10 days. Chuck and Nick Emanuel from North Bend, Nebraska on Fridays in the Field brought to you by FNBO, the great big small bank. Here on the Rural Radio Network, Chad Moyer reports. KRVN is on YouTube, now streaming video on demand. Subscribe to KRVN Radio on YouTube for news, weather, agriculture reports, and more. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network. Let's talk with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter this week in Grain. And John, looks like the WASDs in the rearview mirror, weather now in the driver's seat, and, and in with that, we're setting up a Kansas City wheat corn spread. Yeah, I, I you know, you'd like to think that the weather would matter. I, I don't I don't think the near-term folks really have much to trade on. You know, the selling, I think we would have seen it yesterday. If we were going to sell on fundamentals, we would have sold on that WASD report, and we didn't do it. And I think at this point, it'll be just about watching the weather over the weekend. If the GFS shows big rains or in the cards for the Midwest, you know, Sunday nights are going to probably be pretty ugly. The opposite if it stays dry. But uh, today was all I think about kind of trailing the stock market around and watching crude oil bounce and then fall apart. So, you know, 
Corn's going to have a tough go of it if gasoline can't move. That's going to mean lower ethanol margins, which is going to hurt the corn bids here. And we're coming out of the wire as far as uh, delivery goes. So uh, I would be probably getting on the short side here over the next week if you get the opportunity. Uh, cheap puts are an easy way to do it. But the grain stocks numbers at the end of the month combined with first notice, they would have me a little bit cheapish on a rally in both corn. Soybeans to a much less degree, but, but I think it'll have a hard time going up as well until the end of the month. As we look over in the currency trade, yesterday the U.S. dollar not really liked that much. The euro, the yen, a little bit more popular. But now today the U.S. dollar index definitely a safe haven. Is this a one-day trade or is this now starting to reverse what they've been kind of chopping down here the f- first couple weeks of June? Well, I think the big debate here is what, you know, it's it's weird to think of it, but like we don't reopen, the dollar gets stronger because people are going to have, they're not going to hoard dollars because they don't have anything else to do with it. Um and I think it's as simple as that. Yesterday, two days ago, it was, it was all negative on, you know, the coronavirus is winning, it's coming back. And then today, it's a little bit less. I would really advise people not to even worry about it. The numbers are the numbers. You know, if your local authorities tell you to do anything, do it. But to follow and trade around the innuendo is po- impossible. And, you know, it's like the Chinese news. One day it's one thing, the next day it's the exact opposite in their behavior. And I think the same thing with the government here. And I'm not to play politics, but the Democrats want to keep it shut especially in the blue states. They want to keep things slow. They don't want to reopen too quickly for many reasons. And on the other side, the Republicans want to keep it, get it open. And, um, you know, you're going to see that further divide between blue states and red states and in the coming weeks in the election. And I might, it's going to be an impossible trade to follow because there's so much misinformation. But the bottom line, in my opinion, is, folks, we want to reopen. Everybody wants to get out. I think commerce is going to explode when we do. So the stock market's telling us that. You know, that's what the that's what the recovery has been about. It's just about actually getting out and doing things now. And again, John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing. Learn more about their newsletter this week in grain at danielzagmarketing.com. Do remember, trading futures and options involves risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Divini, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to Divini, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Dot com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Divini deal.